Welcome back to another episode of Americanisms Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas. This story comes from a treasury of North American folktales compiled and annotated by Catherine Peck. Today's story, I want to note, is a little difficult in the language because it's an older story. It's from 1800, 1800. 1800. So the language used is a little bit dated. So don't be discouraged. Today's episode is a little bit more difficult than some of the other ones in the past. Regardless, I hope you enjoy and I hope you learn something. Today's story is called The Cherry Tree Legend, and this is probably one of the most well known folktales in. Uh, the United States of America. So this is one that everybody knows. The story is about George Washington. George Washington was the first president of the United States. He is on the quarter, the 25 cent piece, and he's also on the $1 bill. First, I'm going to read the story fully all the way through. And afterwards, I'm going to break down each sentence line by line, and I'll discuss and explain any interesting vocabulary or grammar. And at the end, if you'd like, you can rewind the story, go back, listen to it again, and see if you can understand a little bit more. All right, let's get started. Okay, here's the full story. The Cherry Tree Legend Introduction Few legends are so ingrained in the national consciousness of the United States as that of George Washington and the cherry tree he allegedly chopped down. Here is perhaps the earliest version of the story, from a book written shortly after Washington's death. The first edition of the book appeared in 1800, but the cherry tree story wasn't added until the fifth edition in 1806. Okay, here's the story. Never did the wise Ulysses take more pains with his beloved Telemachus than did Mr. Washington with George to inspire him with an early love of truth. Truth, George, he said is the loveliest quality of youth. I would ride fifty miles, my son, to see the little boy whose heart is so honest and his lips so pure that we may depend on every word he says. Oh, how lovely does such a child appear in the eyes of everybody. His parents dote on him. His relations glory in him. They are constantly praising him to their children, whom they beg to imitate him. They are often sending him to visit them and receive him, when he comes, with as much joy as if he were a little angel, come to set pretty examples to their children. But, oh, how different, George, is the case with the boy who is given to lying, that nobody can believe a word he says. He is looked at with aversion wherever he goes and parents dread to see him coming among their children. Oh, George, my son, rather than see you come to this pass, dear as you are to my heart, 
gladly would I assist to nail you up in your little coffin and follow you to your grave. Hard indeed would it be to me to give up my son, whose little feet are always so ready to run about with me, and whose fondly looking eyes and sweet prattle make so large a part of my happiness. But still I would give him up rather than see him a common liar. Pa, said George, very seriously, do I ever tell lies? No, George, I thank God you do not, my son, and I rejoice in the hope you never will. At least you shall never, from me, have cause to be guilty of so shameful a thing. Many parents, indeed, even compel their children to this vile practice by barbarously beating them for every little fault. Hence, on the next offense, the little terrified creature slips out a lie just to escape the rod. But as to yourself, George, you know I have always told you and now tell you again that whenever by accident you do anything wrong, which must often be the case as you are but a poor little boy yet, without experience or knowledge, you must never tell a falsehood to conceal it. But come bravely up, my son, like a little man, and tell me of it, and instead of beating you, George, I will but the more honor and love you for it, my dear. This, you'll say, was sowing good seed. Yes, it was, and the crop, thank God, was, as I believe it ever will be, where a man acts the true parent, that is, the guardian angel by his child. The following anecdote is a case in point. It is too valuable to be lost and too true to be doubted, for it was communicated to me by an excellent lady. When George, she said, was about six years old, he was made the wealthy master of a hatchet, of which, like most little boys, he was immoderately fond and was constantly going about chopping everything that came in his way. One day in the garden, where he often amused himself hacking his mother's pea sticks, he unluckily tried the edge of his hatchet on the body of a beautiful young English cherry tree, which he barked so terribly that I don't believe the tree ever got the better of it. The next morning, the old gentleman, finding out what had befallen his tree, which, by the way, was a great favorite, came into the house and, with much warmth, asked for the mischievous author, declaring at the same time that he would not have taken five guineas for the tree. Nobody could tell him anything about it. Presently, George and his hatchet made their appearance. George, said his father, do you know who killed that beautiful little cherry tree yonder in the garden? This was a tough question, and George staggered under it for a moment, but quickly recovered himself and looking at his father with the sweet face of youth brightened with the inexpressible charm of an all-conquering truth, 
he bravely cried out, I can't tell a lie, Pa. You know I can't tell a lie. I did cut it with my hatchet. Run to my arms, you dearest boy, cried his father in transports. Run to my arms. Glad am I, George, that you killed my tree, for you have paid me for it a thousandfold. Such an act of heroism in my son is worth more than a thousand trees, though blossomed with silver and their fruits of purest gold. It was in this way, by interesting at once both his heart and head, that Mr. Washington conducted George with the great ease and pleasure along the happy paths of virtue. The End Okay, so now let's break down the story. First, the introduction. Few legends are so ingrained in the national consciousness, let's stop there, few legends, stories, traditional stories, few legends are so ingrained, meaning firmly fixed, let's hear some other synonyms, entrenched, settled, implanted, deep-rooted, rooted, ground in, fixed, Implanted, you get the point, in the national consciousness, the identity, national identity, the culture, the stories that the people of a certain place tell themselves, ingrained in the national consciousness of the United States as that of George Washington and the cherry tree, cherry, the little red fruit, that he allegedly according to what someone has claimed, but maybe there's not proof yet, so allegedly. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. There's no proof. It needs to be proven. And this is used especially with crime. The cherry tree he allegedly chopped down. Chopped. Cut. Here is perhaps the earliest version from a book written shortly after Washington's death. The first edition, edition, version, the first version, edition, edition of this book appeared in 1800, 1800, but the cherry tree story was not added until the fifth edition, fifth, five, T-H, fifth, or you can write it like F-I-F-T-H, fifth, fifth, it's a hard word to say. First paragraph. Never did the wise Ulysses take more pains with his beloved Telemachus than did Mr. Washington with George to inspire him with an early love of truth. So, take more pains. Ulysses, a name, the father of Telemachus, so take more pains to try very hard. With his beloved or beloved, you can pronounce it two ways, beloved or beloved, so, George Washington's dad wanted him to love truth. Truth, George, said he, is the loveliest quality of youth. Straightforward. I would ride 50 miles, my son, to see the little boy whose heart is so honest and his lips so pure that we may depend on every word he says. Depend. They can trust what he says. Oh, how lovely does such a child appear in the eyes of everybody. His parents dote on him. Dote, meaning they give him things, they, they love him, they treasure him. 
His relations glory in him. Relations, his brothers, his aunts, his uncles. And remember, this is uh, from 1806. So the language is a little bit old. So people don't usually say relations glory in him. They are constantly praising him to their children, praising, saying how great he is. Whom they beg to imitate, to copy him. They are often sending him to visit them and receive him when he comes with as much joy as if he were a little angel. Angel, like in heaven. Come to set pretty examples, to set example, to show someone how to do something, to set examples to their children. Next. But, oh, how different, George, is the case with the boy who was given to lying, that nobody can believe a word he says. He is looked at with aversion. Aversion, to be adverse to something, averse to something means to not want it. They look at him with aversion wherever he goes. And parents dread, they deeply don't like, they dread they regret, they dread to see him come among their children because he would set a bad example. Oh, George, my son, rather than see you come to this pass, dear as you are to my heart, gladly would I assist, help, to nail you up in your little coffin, the box where you are buried when you're dead, the little box they put in the ground, the coffin, and follow you to your grave, the place where you're buried. Hard, indeed, would it be to me to give up my son, whose little feet are always so ready to run about me, run around, run run with me, and whose fondly-looking eyes, fondly, fond is something that you like, and sweet prattle, prattle meaning talking, the way little children talk and they ask nice little questions, sweet prattle, P-R-A-T-T-L-E, makes so large a part of my happiness, but still I would give him up rather than see him a common liar. Okay, so what he's saying here is that he hates lying so much that if George were to lie, he would basically kill his son rather than see him a liar, which is pretty harsh, but it shows how strongly he dislikes lying. George says, Pa, said George very seriously, do I ever tell lies? No, George, I thank God you do not, my son, and I rejoice in the hope you never will. Rejoice to be happy about, think about joy, rejoice. At least you shall never from me have cause to be guilty of so shameful of a thing. He's saying basically that he doesn't want George to feel guilty for telling the truth. Then he goes on, many parents indeed even compel, compel to force or to want to do something. They even compel their children to this vile, vile, disgusting, gross, awful, this vile practice by barbarously, like barbarian, beating them Beating, hitting for every little fault. So every time they make a mistake, the parents hit them. Hence, afterwards, 
Hence, on the next offense, the little terrified creature slips out a lie. He slips it out. He, he tells a lie. He's so afraid, he's terrified, that he lies because his parents beat him just to escape the rod. Rod is like a stick that they hit the children with. Remember, this is 1806. But as to yourself, George, I know I have always told you and now tell you again that whatever by accident, so not on purpose, he did not mean to, an accident, you do anything wrong, which must often be the case, so it must happen a lot, as you are but a poor little boy, you're just a little kid, without experience or knowledge. You must never tell a falsehood, a lie, to conceal it, to hide it. But come up bravely, my son, like a little man, and tell me of it. And instead of beating you, so I'm not going to beat you, instead of beating you, I will but the more honor and love you for it, my dear. So if you tell the truth, even if it's something that was harmful, I will praise you for it. I will love you for it more than if you lied. This, you'll say, was sowing good seed, to sow a seed, to plant a seed, but sowing a seed of truth. Yes, it was that the crop, when you plant a seed and it grows, that's the crop. Yes, it was. And the crop, thank God, was, as I believe it ever will be, where a man acts the true parent, that is, the guardian angel by his child, the guardian angel. Angel, again, from heaven, a guardian angel, one that protects you. The following anecdote story is a case in point. It's a perfect example, case in point. It is too valuable to be lost. Valuable, worthy, a lot of value. It's valuable and too true to be doubted. It's so true, it cannot be thought to be false, this story. For it was communicated to me by an excellent lady, a very... Uh, trustworthy woman. When George, she said, was about six years old, he was made the wealthy master of a hatchet. Hatchet. It was like a little axe, a small cutting tool, like to chop down trees, but small. Of which, like most little boys, he was immoderately, so not moderate, immoderately fond. He liked it a lot. And was constantly, always, often, going about chopping everything that came in his way. One day in the garden, where he often amused himself to have fun with oneself, amuse yourself, hacking, chopping, his mother's pea sticks, the, they call them stakes, it's a piece of wood that you put in the ground and it helps plants grow, a stake. The pea sticks in his mother's garden, he unluckily tried the edge the sharp point, the sharp part of the hatchet, the edge, on the body of a beautiful young English cherry tree, which he barked so terribly. Bark, the outside of a tree is the bark, like the skin of a tree. So terribly that I don't, that I don't believe the tree ever got the better of it. So he basically killed the tree. The next morning, the old gentleman, his father, Finding out what had befallen, what had happened to, befallen his tree, which, by the way, was a great favorite, came into the house and with much warmth asked for the mischievous, mischievous meaning to have a habit of causing disruption or maybe harm. 
not in a way that is filled with hatred, but more in a playful way, like a, like a young child. Mischievous, also pronounced mischievous. You can say both. As for the, the mischievous author, declaring, saying, at the same time that he would not have taken five guineas for his tree. Guineas was a, uh, a currency. It was the equivalent of one quarter an ounce of gold. So five guineas in today's money would be about $2,300. So it was an expensive tree. Nobody could tell him anything about it. Presently, presently meaning just then, George and his hatchet made their appearance. George, said his father, do you know who killed that beautiful little cherry tree yonder, yonder over there in the garden? This was a tough question. And George staggered, so he kind of stepped back and forth, like if you carry something very heavy, you might stagger. He staggered under it for a moment, but quickly recovered himself. And looking at his father with the sweet face of youth, brightened with the inexpressible charm of all conquering truth. Charm. Charm is a quality that inspires admiration. If I'm very charming, you admire the way I speak, the way I talk. Of all conquering truth, meaning that to, to tell the truth is very charming in his father's eyes. He bravely, courageously, cried out, I can't tell a lie, Pa. You know I can't tell a lie. I did cut it with my hatchet. So he told the truth. Run to my arms, you dearest boy. So come come here. Come here, you sweet child. Come here. Run to my arms. Glad am I, George, that you killed my tree. I'm happy you killed my tree, basically. For you paid me for it a thousandfold. That's like 1,000 times 1,000, so 1,000 fold. Such an act of heroism, 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 an act of a hero in my son is worth more than a thousand trees. Telling the truth is so valuable, though blossomed, even if blossomed like the flower blooms, blossomed with silver and their fruits purest gold, purest gold. That would be 24 carat. K-A-R-A-T is pure gold. It was in this way by interesting at once both his heart and his head that Mr. Washington conducted George with a great ease and pleasure along the happy paths of virtue. So basically it's saying that George's father was a good father because he interested both George's heart and his head saying he wouldn't punish him if he told him the truth, and this led George to live a very virtuous life. The End Okay, so that is all for today's story. I want to thank you for listening to today's story. I hope you learned something. If you'd like to reach me, you can send me an email at americanismspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. Thank you very much.